Hey everyone, this is Kendra. And this is Jessica. And you're listening to Lucid, Lucid Lab. Lab. It's a Sunday. Now it's Sunday. <laughs> we don't usually record on a Sunday, but no. we're, you know, just mixing it up. We have yeah. tried a Saturday now and we're making it work. Yes. In between all of our hectic lives. Yep. Between Jessica moving and me going on some family trips yep. over the summer, we're doing what we can to make sure we keep bringing you new episodes every week. So I wanted to bring up that we got our first listeners from Japan. Japan and Canada. In Canada, yes. Yeah. We get really excited, as we've mentioned on mm-hmm. other episodes, seeing different listeners from other places. Mm-hmm. So thank you all. Yes, thank you. And just know we're watching and we get we we, yeah. <laughs> We're like, you know, keeping a map of everywhere. I'm like, what other countries do we need? And I think Jessica mentioned Australia and Canada. And now yep. we have those. Japan was a nice little surprise. It was, especially because we have one of those episodes. Hopefully I did not butcher that. And they're like, you're wrong. Everything is wrong. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) And today we're actually visiting a new country that we haven't talked about Mm -hmm. yet. And maybe we'll get listeners from there. So I am trying to get done today and I'm going to be good about not drinking as much wine as I usually do because (laughs) I have decided now that it's not raining in Colorado, I'm going to get out and hike. But it's supposed to be like in the 90s tomorrow. Oh, goodness. So in order to... I don't want it. No, me neither. I kind of want the cool rain back. Yeah. But to miss the heat, if you want to go hiking, you have to get up early. And so Mm -hmm. me and one of my friends have committed to start at 6 a.m. tomorrow. We're going to do like a three-mile hike. And that'll allow me to get back in time to do my day job, like actually work. (laughs) I'm already kind of dreading the fact that I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. tomorrow. So, you know, (laughs) I used to get up early enough to go take those walks and the early morning walks are really, really nice. I always just when the sun is, it's just it's lit up enough, you know, and it's a different type of walk than my night walks. Yeah. And you feel really accomplished. Yeah. It energizes you. Yeah. So I think I will appreciate it by noon tomorrow, but 5 a.m. it's going to be rough. You still might be tired by the time you're done with tomorrow. <laughs> Hopefully I have time for a nap, yeah. but probably not. I have a busy work day. I am committing to getting back into hiking because it does make me happier. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I haven't been up into the mountains in a while, so I'll probably get out of breath after like the first 10 steps. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Got to acclimate again. That's my big start to the week. And I'm still packing which got a lot to pack well I can't seem to get any of it done because of the jobs and the kid and everything else and it's been a little bit chaotic on the way here I went and picked up something that's another thing is I need things too and like I'm trying to coordinate how to get this from this person and this from this person and it takes a lot of time I went somewhere yesterday and I was checking out and there was this kid and he was a nice kid and he's asking me how I am and all that stuff and just out of nowhere he just goes super dark he says something along the lines like well there's nothing special about any day or something like Uh, that and I look at him you're like are you okay (laughs) well that was kind of because I was already kind of spaced out when he said that I was like whoa Jess help this kid connect because Mm -hmm. I was spaced out checking out it just like brought me to the present 
And so I talked to him for a few minutes and was trying to give him like a tiny little pep talk. I'm never like, oh, be positive. Or <laughs> that doesn't help anyone. I just yeah. give him examples and I'm like, yeah, my life is shit right now. I have three jobs. I'm trying to move. I have a kid. You know, like I just yeah. did this. I just did this. And I'm like, but you know what? I feel good today. Today was a good day. And so I was giving him an example of there's something positive in every day. The entire day has to doesn't have there's to be sparkly. There's always something you can you know? be thankful for or that you can find that made you smile that day. Yeah. It's true when you look for it. And so, you know, he smiled and thanked me, but it just made me so sad leaving. I'm like, oh, he's so depressed and he's so young yeah. and that just it sucks. If you, you know, watch the news too much or get, you know, sucked into bad family social media or anything like that, yeah. it can bring you down because you can end up in like an echo chamber of all the horrible things that are happening. But you have to like purposefully seek out. And I think I've set up my TikTok algorithm to be a place that's more inviting, you know, more oh, positive too. things. I don't have any bad things. On my Lots TikTok. of animal videos. <laughs> animals make me smile Mine are a lot of spiritual things or life's questions kind of. I mean <laughs> yeah. really it's it's quite perfect for our entire podcast I know if only we could lend our algorithms to other people and be right like, here's the blueprint only yes, listen to this. this because I have other I have a lot of friends you know I'm in my 40s and a lot of them are like, I'm too old for TikTok. Like, that's a kid thing. And I was like, well, it's I really that not too until I downloaded it. But you have to get in there and you have to get you have to sift get, through the have, shitty stuff at the beginning. You got to get past <laughs> a bunch of happy good girls. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you can you know, it does have a really good algorithm. And, it does. Yeah. And to me, TikTok has become my primary social media place. Like yep. I use it more than Instagram. And I mm -hmm. would never think that as a 43 year old woman, I would spend as much time no. on TikTok as I do. I don't know if I've said this in other episodes, but it was when I was in a super dark place with my my last job and just in life and just the way things had been. It was TikTok and it was morbid. Yeah. Oh, wow. We were mentioning them for the first time. Yeah, we haven't time, talked about it. But them it was while, TikTok but... and morbid that really just like snapped me out of it. And I'm like, wow, there's more than just this enclosed house where right. I feel like I'm just stuck and I can't breathe. There's so much more than that. I owe a lot to both platforms. I feel like I need to say like I, I'm not as mm, vulnerable with what I'm going on in my life. I feel like some of you can pick up that. Yeah. Things are a little chaotic, chaotic or... and crazy. But yeah. I don't know if I'll ever tell anyone exactly what's happening, yeah. <laughs> but I guess because Kendra is an example of coming out the other side and right now mm -hmm. I'm going through it. I guess this is just a, we're here with you guys. If you are a mom or just a dad or someone who literally takes care of fucking everything, but you need your life to change, you can change your life. It yes. takes time. But you can get out of bad situations and it just takes a just the tiniest. It takes the courage. <laughs> it takes the courage. But it's small things. You're not making big, massive movements. No. It's like a couple of them will be big, massive movements. It's just these tiny things and it's making the decision regardless of what people think. And yes. sometimes you're going to be completely alone. But as long yeah. as you stick to it. And so I'm going through it, but I'm almost at the other end. But Kendra came out the other end. So she did this. I'm just saying yeah. my heart goes out to anybody who's listening who feels like they're stuck because there is a way out. And we have both been there. I have definitely felt stuck. And sometimes it takes you longer than you wish it did to yeah. get out. It is worth it. 
And like you just said, just take small steps. If it takes you just anything and, and feel proud of yourself for any little piece that you do to get out of a toxic or unhappy situation, whether it be with work or your personal relationships, whatever it is. Work is such a big thing. We're spending so much of our lives in work. And if you are unhappy, you're not making what you need. I was worried when I quit that I would have nothing. And I didn't at first. But and it took time. I'm not even exactly everywhere I want to be right now either. But I knew that it would be this like stepping stone to getting to where I want to be. And it's scary. But if I was still working that job that I was doing, like you can brush it off and say, well, it's not that bad because some days it's not. But I don't know if I would be here. You wouldn't be healthy. I wouldn't be healthy. I would probably be very, very ill. It worries me to think of the Jessica that stayed. <laughs> I know. It does. She's doing that in another multiverse. Oh, I she's hope unhappy. Not. not to go like negative, Deep. but I'm trying to <laughs> yeah. bring it back up. It's like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. With everything. I don't know about this episode she's going to do. It's uh, <laughs> this is not a light, happy episode. You know, Jessica did Giants last week, which was yeah. a, a more upbeat one. I am bringing us back to true crime, but we'll still have some fun with it. Yeah, we, As always, we always do. do. <laughs> but we probably yes. have more fun in these ones that we're not supposed to have. Fun I know in, we have a dark sense that's of humor, how we handle it. and I will be translating and trying to say some words in Russian. So Yay. that will always be fun to listen to <laughs> one of us try to pronounce another language. <laughs> I always say, I always feel like I say it so slow, like ah, duh, duh. I was practicing before Jessica got here. I was listening and like saying the words out loud. But then we forget when we're actually sitting here and I'm like, dang it, what was that? I'm like, I know I did this. Before we get into the true crime story I have, let's do one more fun thing. Maybe co-star. Yeah. I didn't have as much to talk about today. And then I was like, oh, let me go a little woo. My co-star says, admit you know nothing, then proceed. Okay. Mine says, red flags don't go away if you ignore them. No, they don't. (laughs) But I've done that before. I've definitely ignored it. We all do with many people. (laughs) I actually have something positive between you and me today. And I hope this is true. It says you get each other's sense of humor today. It has been proven that human brains work better in collaboration with each other. This is weird. Communicate by releasing spores. I mean, we're going to go for a walk. (laughs) What spores? I don't know. Maybe we should put a flower up our nose and go... Don't know what that means. Does that mean we should eat mushrooms? (laughs) We did yesterday. (laughs) Not those kind of mushrooms. (laughs) We ate regular mushrooms. Well, ours on my end says, you and Kendra are two sea lions who have teleported out of the water and are now precariously balanced on the thick, heavy branches of a sequoia tree. Sea lions on a sequoia tree? (laughs) (laughs) So we're breathing spores and we're (laughs) sea animals that can climb trees, apparently. Mm Mm-hmm. No, it says teleported. Oh, so teleported. I didn't. Okay. That yeah. makes more. But sea lions have teleportation skills. God awesome. does. <laughs> Co-stars really <laughs> reach in today. I wonder if they use AI to be like, put some shit together. <laughs> and AI thinks teleporting means something different. <laughs> sea lions and sequoia trees. <laughs> oh, right. okay. Well, that was our fun part. Let's get into what I want to talk about today. Death death. Actually, I am going to be visiting Russia. We're going to be doing a true crime and this is another serial killer. I think this is only my second true crime episode. Jessica has been bringing it. So now I'm stepping up and bringing more of this (laughs) content. (laughs) So I started along this. I was first looking at a different 
case that was in Japan. And then I thought, you know, you just did the Algikahara Forest. Right. Did I say that right? Algikahara? Algikahara Forest. I don't know. (laughs) I think it was. Anyway. Let's go back. (laughs) And I was like, I don't want to do Japan again that close. So there was a killer in Japan that was called the Wednesday Strangler. Yeah, I've heard of that one. And then I came across another one that was called the Wednesday Killer. And that was this person that I'm going to talk about. Although he has a much more interesting name. He actually has four different names that he has been called as far as like his serial killer alibi name, whatever you want to call it. Is he only kill on Wednesdays though? They found the victims on Wednesday. Oh. Is how he got that. But I want to go into this before I give too much more away. So this all started in the summer of 1992. So not that long ago. So we're not in the 70s we're not anymore. In the 70s. <laughs> I did talk about Good job. How was he I, born in the 70s? He was born in the 60s. Oh, so okay. we're avoiding the 70s <laughs> altogether. We are going to go into the 90s because, as I mentioned a couple episodes ago, the 90s are back. The 90s so are back. Let's talk yeah. 90s. So summer of 1992 in a place called Angarsk. Russia. This is in Eastern Siberia. So not the nicest part of Russia. Very, very cold. Yes. And I'll go into some more details about that. So summer of 1992, the police there received a call from a man and he was in terror and he said, I have found a body of a girl in the forest. Following the report, the inspectors arrived. They came to the place where the man was and they were completely dismayed at the presence of this young woman because she had been barbarically killed. It was a heinous crime, like nothing they had seen in the area before. They started to search for possible leads to identify who the culprit was. However, they could not figure it out and they reached a dead end and that case became unsolved. Nobody at the time in 1992 knew that this was the first murder by what would become one of the most prolific and perverse serial killers in Russian history. He was active from 1992 until 2010. Oh, my gosh. So he had a reign of terror of 18 years. That's crazy. This killer was on the loose in Angarsk, Siberia, Russia. Women were terrified to be out at night. They were taken at night when they would be out, you know, just going out with friends. And nobody really knew what was happening and why there was any rhyme or reason to it. And police just didn't seem to think it was the work of one person. What else was going on in the time is that this was right after the fall of the Soviet Union. So Mm. Russia was in a state of kind of disarray. Right. The police were not receiving the resources that they used to because they were still sorting out. There wasn't money. Who's who and who's doing what. There was a lot of crime in Angarsk at that time. And there were a lot of these like mafia groups kind of like had formed and they Mm. were fighting. And so when women first started going missing, it wasn't seen as like the work of one person because people died, unfortunately died all the time Yeah, because there was just like wars going on between these different mafias. And from what I read is that the mafia in Russia, you know, if you think about the mafia, we know the Italians, they would kill each other, like the men, Mm -hmm. something about the Russian way. They were so diabolical. They would go after the people's women and children. So they'd go after their wives. So they did not have the Italian mafia morals. No. Yikes. (laughs) So when women would come up dead, they would just think, oh, it was probably connected to the mafia. And they didn't want to think that they had a serial killer loose. So this allowed this man to stay hidden for 18 years and kill all these women. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So the chain of crimes were occurring between the areas of Angarsk, Vladivostok, and Irkutsk. And it would culminate in the killings of at least 82 victims that we know of and have been 
DNA connected to this one man. Wow. But they think there could be as many as 200 that he killed in these 18 years. There's always way more than what they can find. Right. So these victims were all women between the ages of 16 and 40. The corpses that they found showed signs of sexual violence. And the cause of death was really all over the place. There was no, like, when you think of serial killers, usually they have one form of killing. Mm -hmm. The victims in this, they were killed in brutal, oh my God, brutal and sadistic ways. They were killed with the use of knives, axes, hammers, screwdrivers, baseball bats, shovel, basically anything he could get his hands on. Yeah. It seemed like the killer would just use whatever to commit his brutal acts He would massacre his victims to the point of no recognition. And several victims were found with bite marks on their body. Due to the horrible nature these victims' bodies would be found in, the local police began dubbing him as the werewolf. Uh, And that's what I named the episode, and I think it fits. They said that the killer had to be a totally insane and deviant subject possessed by bestiality that knows no bounds because of how these bodies were just... Well, and it sounds like he, his murder weapon was whatever he could find. Like it was based on the opportunity. Exactly. Was it like the people's stuff or just? Well, we'll get into okay. that. His name is Mikhail Popkoff. We don't like Mikhail Popkoff. Here's the scary thing about Mikhail Popkoff. He was a police officer. Oh, why does that not fucking surprise me? That's scary. That's even <laughs> scarier. This because is a he's scary story. It on the mafia and he's one of the, oh my God. This is wow. going to get real, real twisted. So he seemed to live the perfect life. He had a beautiful family. Of course he did. He had a rewarding career. He was a respected police force member. Everyone who worked with him loved him. They said he was funny. He was a great guy. Yet underneath, he had this deadly secret that no one would have ever guessed. He was basically moonlighting as a serial killer. People believe that his drive to kill came from a deeply misogynistic view of the world that he developed at a young age. As an adult, he used his power as a police officer to act on those feelings towards women. He murdered women that he deemed to be morally defunct. Of course. For this reason, Mikhail actually had his own name for himself. He liked to refer to himself as the cleaner. Oh, my. <laughs> and that's such a mafia he's, name, too. He's not involved with the mafia. At I know, all. but yeah. it's weird. Yeah. Like, you know. He has done a lot of interviews and I will talk through a lot of what he has said. I'm about to quote him right now because okay. he really thought he was doing he society. He was a, uh, mm, what's the word? A I'm looking favor. For? Yeah, exactly. He thought he was helping make Siberia better. So in 2017, he was interviewed. He is in prison today. We'll talk more about that. But he said he gave women lifts like in his car. He would pick them up and he would always target those who were drunk or living in a way that he saw as immoral, adding that any society condemns the behavior of a debauched woman. (laughs) Fuck everything. (laughs) I I don't mean to be a man hater, but I I always end up in these cases. I know. So he said his first murder happened spontaneously. He told investigators, I just felt I wanted to kill the woman after I picked her up in my car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure he dreamt about it a million times. So really, it's not spontaneous. He so, probably saw it in his mind so many times. It's he's, just that he decided be a to weird act one. on it, right? Yeah. He's going to be a weird one. Like what made him do that? He would use his police uniform as cover He would pull up and lure unsuspecting women into his car in his police uniform. And there he would drive them 
to an isolated forest where he would kill them, many times the weapons that he used would be like evidence that they took from other crimes oh my that he would God. steal from the evidence rooms. And they didn't have cameras? This is like modern times that this he is would the Soviet. steal? He was able to lead this double life as a family man, policeman, but because of the dissolution of the Soviet Union, he was able to take advantage of the fact that they were so disorganized there and there weren't the resources to research many of these crimes. He knew, because he was on the inside, what he could get away with. Wow. So he was able to evade authorities. Authorities. That authorities. <laughs> that was like Cartman. <laughs> I know where you go. Authority. <laughs> he was able to avoid the authorities because he was one of them. Right. And it wasn't just him. He was actually married to a police officer oh. as well. So what caused him to snap? Were there like signs from a young age? That's what we always want to ask. Right. Um, that would turn him into this like prolific barbaric serial killer. So let's go back to the beginning of it all. Let's. Before I do that, I do also want to mention the other name that he was called by. So he was called the werewolf, which I think is the most fitting. He wanted to call himself the cleaner. He was also called the Wednesday killer because most of his victims were found on Wednesday. And then he was also known as the Angarsk maniac. Hmm. I like the first and last. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and it's very funny. And I listened to the Time Suck podcast that he did this case, I think, like in 2017. Time and it, Suck rocks. He's hilarious. And I cannot do a Russian accent like he can. I was <laughs> laughing so hard listening to this episode. If you enjoy this from me, I would say go listen to his as well. But he brings up many times how the word maniac, we don't know if it's like a Russian translation or what, but like maniac comes up so many times. Maniac, like, maniac, maniac. <laughs> whenever they're talking, they're like, he was a maniac oh my goodness <laughs> I didn't think he was a maniac so <laughs> that word's gonna come up a lot and I don't think I've ever used that word and we probably haven't ever on this podcast but I'm not sure apparently in Russia maniac is like the worst of the worst crazy person so that's funny <laughs> little cultural piece there Mikhail was born on March 7th 1964 which would make him a Pisces Pisces which is a water baby and mm -hmm. they're known to be deeply emotional. And yeah. yeah, I mean, every sign has their dark sides. But I think Pisces, there's quite a few serial killers that fit into the Pisces realm. Not surprising. He was born in a town called Norilsk. And as a child, he moved with his mother to live in Angarsk. So Angarsk, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, this would not be a town that would be on anyone's list of places to travel, much less to live. <sighs> it's in the eastern part of Siberia. It is 5,200 kilometers away from Moscow. It's a very remote area of Russia and very cold. It was established, Angarsk was a pretty new city. It was established in 1945 after it was chosen as the location to construct a plant that produced artificial liquid fuel. It was started in 1945 for that plant. And most people living there, of course, would be employed by the plant. So the way that it was built up, everybody lived in these very drab looking. It basically looked like big dormitories and everybody. It was a gray place. The sun wasn't out very much. And you lived in a very small little concrete apartment. Wasn't the happiest place in the world to move to. It had a population within 13 years of opening. It had reached population around 134,000 people. That's a lot, though. And it's bigger today. This is, you know, oh, okay. in 50s. Today, it is the third largest city in the Irkutsk region. And it is now a nicer city than it was when it was first built. It now has public services, parks. It looks like a normal city. Okay. 
But right when me, Kyle would have been moving there, it was probably not as nice as it is today. Right. It would not have been a place where children would have, you know, been running around and making friends and having fun. It would have been a pretty drab situation. Angarska is also known <laughs> for pie. Nope. <laughs> nothing, nothing that cool. It's the city of petrochemists. Oh, okay. It's one of the largest industrial centers of Russia with powerful chemical and oil chemical industries, <laughs> machine building, metalworking, and then light and food industries. The main plants are Angarsk Oil Chemical Company and Angarsk Electrolysis Chemical Plant, which makes fluoric uranium. Cool. Angarsk is a hard one to keep saying. I can see your face. You're like, <laughs> Angarsk. <laughs> it's difficult. It's not my first language. <laughs> the only cool thing around Angarsk is the Lake Baikal, and this is actually the oldest freshwater lake in the world. It's 25 million oh, years wow. old. And it's also the deepest. It's 5,300 feet deep. Wow. Which is crazy. This one lake contains 20% of the world's freshwater. Wow. Unfortunately. And then it's surrounded by all this crap. <laughs> that's what I'm about to that's get gonna, to. That's going to like leak into it and Unfortunately, stuff. Unfortunately, it is facing extreme pollution, oh, which is really, God. really sad. Daily flow of toxic substances. As you can imagine, there's probably not the best regulations in Russia around wastewater treatment. Wow. And so a lot of things are being dumped into the lake. I actually saw some pictures of some fish and things that they found and they look a little like they might have been Mutating. in contact with uranium. Oh, no. It's horrible. So this is probably not a list that any city would want to make, but Angarsk makes the list of Russian cities with the most adverse environmental conditions. <laughs> well, Yeah. So me and Jessica will not be visiting Angars. No. Well, in a hazmat suit to if we have to. It has what? I said in a hazmat suit yeah. and we have to. <laughs> Sorry to anyone who might live in Angarsk, but it is not a tourist destination. In 2010, it held the third place in Siberia for the most adverse environmental conditions and the sixth overall in Russia. I imagine there's a lot of really harsh places in Russia. So it's the sixth in the list of how large Russia is, yeah. it's got to be a pretty not so nice place to not be. Really. Has a very long, cold and dry winter. The average temperatures in the winter are around negative 10 degrees. It has one month where it gets warmer and that's July and they will see temperatures sometimes as high as 92 degrees. That's surprising. So they go from one extreme to the other, yeah. but it's a very short time. Right. They also have longer nights than day. It's a prime place for a serial killer who sounds like it. Likes to go after women in the dark. Fun. So back to Mikhail. He moved there with his mother and his mother had left his father. So he was in a single parent household and he never really had a relationship with his father, which seems to have bothered him. Right. His mother was a young mother. So she had gotten pregnant with him at a young age. We don't really know why she left her husband and Mikhail's dad, but he seems to think it was because she was cheating on him. He thinks he saw his mom with another man. So we before believe or after before they moved okay. while he was young. So I think that's part of the misogynistic thinking women are loose or why whatever. Why is it so freaking hard to raise boys? I know. My God. Thank God I don't have one. <laughs> It's hard in every way to raise kids, but as a single mom too, she's doing everything she can. She was young. It doesn't say what she did for a living or anything like that, but what we do know, according to Mikhail, she was an alcoholic and mm -hmm. she would leave him often to go out with her friends and oh. drink. So you can see where some of this might be coming from. He would be left with like neighbors or sometimes alone. 
He also mentioned that his mom, not only did he feel neglected by his mother, when she did come home, she would say hateful things and sometimes hit him. So he felt always in mother dynamic with serial killers, I feel like. Everything you just described just seems to be like this common breeding ground for these serial killers to come about. Yeah. Although all of this was going with his mom, he was a very smart child. And by all accounts that I read, he excelled in his schooling. He got good grades. He behaved well in school. There were no other signs that you might see with some serial killers. He did mention that he was bullied some in school. So there was some of that going on. And then he just didn't have that support when he'd come home. His mom was busy, I guess, hanging out with her friends, drinking and not the, you know, sweet yes. mom that everyone deserves. <laughs> the Sean <honestly>. Sellers. <laughs> Unfortunately, we, yeah, we don't get to pick who our mom or dad is. So, yeah. so we can feel bad for Mikhail as a child, but not as he got older. So not much else is really said about him. It's hard to find things when you're looking at stories in another country, but we do know around age 20, he entered the police force and that is where he met Elena, who became his wife and she was also a police officer. Their relationship led to marriage and they had one daughter and her name was Ekaterina. I'm assuming going into the police force became his version of needing control. Could be. You know. Yeah, there were some books that I read that talked about like his psychological reasons, like why did he want to go into the police force? They seemed noble at first, but he did start displaying some signs while he was a police officer of enjoying that control a little too much. Uh, He would beat down some of the criminals. He actually killed a rapist, ironically. That is very ironic. It's very ironic. And this is while he was killing. And so, but in Russia, that was seen as like admirable because he was taking out a rapist and like their roles are very different. Maybe this rapist knew him. (laughs) probably maybe they did it together but policemen were very respected in the Angarsk area and there wasn't a lot of questioning of authority so being a police officer was a very high stature in the town he was seen and considered to be a respectable family man and everything that was out there he had a great family he had a great marriage his wife says that he was a wonderful husband he didn't hurt her he didn't never he was friends with all of his co-workers they said he was hilarious I have multiple pictures of him like out doing things with his friends his family his daughter said he was she was a daddy's girl he was like the best father ever he took her fishing he took her it's so scary that there's multiple sides this guy is like a complete Jekyll and Hyde he was sociable he played sports he was very extroverted playful nobody would ever ever think that he was on the side like I said moonlighting as a serial killer and not just a serial killer like a very barbaric werewolf type killer that's yeah that's crazy what we do know and what we think might be the watershed moment as they call it for what prompted him to start killing women occurred sometime before summer of 1992 and Mikhail was returning home from work that day and he found his young daughter she was about two or three years old kind of wandering in the street oh which seemed really odd and so he grabbed his daughter and went to go inside and he saw his wife inside talking quietly with another police officer co-worker oh and they're all police officers too yes okay When he came inside, he looked like he had surprised them, but nothing 
too strange was going on but no, uh, i no mean belts that's unbuckled. weird <laughs> yeah they weren't in the moment <laughs> <I guess. laughs> however he did find two used condoms in the garbage can okay <laughs> and why is she outside in the street how old maybe she? they're two or three years old oh my gosh so the maybe the mom officers. was busy wow i don't know like toddlers can sneak out they can open doors and just wander out or uh. mom was so enthralled with her friend that she wasn't paying attention yeah it's not good so we or we like i was on the and case you said two <laughs> condoms yeah so they're busy i don't know why my brain just thought of two dicks but that means two <laughs> times and like so poor kid (laughs) Ekaterina could have been roaming around for a while maybe she here's my thought she was asleep when the guy came over she woke up Mm, crawled out of her crib and mom didn't notice because she was busy with her two condoms I guess it is thought that at this point he decided to punish women who were unchaste okay So all of these people have been interviewed over the years, and I'm going to read the quotes. I want to read them the way that they're written. And once again, they're probably lost in translation, but... I'm guessing because you said they use the word maniac a lot. Every time I read it, it just I I hear it in a Russian voice that I wish I could do. (laughs) But anyways, here is what Elena told a TV channel when it was brought up that they thought his possible motive for killing started with her cheating on him. She said, he found condoms in our house. First, he thought that it was our neighbor because we had left her the keys from our flat. Then he asked me once about them, but said nothing. The only thing was that he forced me to retire from my work, and he never reminded me about the condoms since then. Almost 20 years have passed. That was in 1992. Maybe the police suppose it was kind of impetus to him. I do not know. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) He forced her to retire. So she never admitted to it. She... She's like, I don't know. I mean, I stopped working in 1992. (laughs) So, I mean, it's possible. I mean, in the (laughs) Russian way, she's just like, I don't know. We thought it was the neighbor and we didn't talk about it again. We didn't talk about it, but I wasn't allowed to work anymore. I wasn't. But he told me I couldn't work anymore. (laughs) I think that's exactly what it was. Wow. And here's what he said about it. He was in an interview with a local newspaper, and this was like in 2015 after he was arrested. And he said, I just had some reasons to suspect her. I'm not looking for excuses, but this was absolutely the impetus for my future. If I had seen the treason with my own eyes, I would maybe have done everything differently. Like what? (laughs) Like killed her, I guess. I guess. He He said, everyone goes through such things differently. Some take it easy and forget. Others take it painfully. What happened with me? The worst case scenario. <laughs> At least he's honest. <laughs> he's so like, I don't know why I find it what funny. What happened with me? Shit. <laughs> he admitted that he was filled with desire to kill his unfaithful wife. And here's another quote from him. He said, in the morning, waking up, first I ran into her room, checked to see if I killed her. Oh. Therefore, I did not drink hardly ever. I was afraid that I would commit something terrible. So he was afraid he would murder his wife and he didn't want to do that because his daughter, who he loved very much, and he once again was the great family man. So he admitted this was the impetus. He thought his wife was cheating on him. And at that point, he had this murderous rage inside of him and he decided to take it out on other women versus his wife, which is really sad for the other women. It is. Elena? (laughs) Elena, why'd you have to cheat on him? Damn it. Mikiel. How do you say it? Mikey Hill. Mikhail. (laughs) Mikhail. Well, Mike Hill. (laughs) Mikhail. So this is when that first girl that we talked about in the beginning of the episode was killed that summer. Unfortunately, I don't have her name. There were 
as I said, 82 victims. We don't have all of their names, but the ones that we do have, I will go over. Okay. Quite a few of the women that he murdered were sex workers. He mm-hmm. would he would look for them. Unfortunately, that's a common theme with serial killers. It and is. unfortunately for these women, a lot of times they don't have family and they're not reported. And so right. we don't get their names. Yes. Especially not in Russia at the time. In these remote places, especially. Yeah. We that's don't know where these such, girls came that's from. That's why it's such a problem in the northern United States areas. It's so sad because these women are still, they deserve to be recognized and they, they do. They were women that were living with hopes and dreams and just they were by. taken. They're right. They were by. just doing what they could to make yeah. money. And, and Mr. Judgmental Mikhail decided. The cleaner. Yeah. He was cleaning the streets of prostitutes. He actually said that in a quote. I was out there cleaning the streets of the prostitutes from Siberia. So he would start wandering around mm-hmm. at night. He would put on his police uniform and use his police vehicle. And he would look around for women. He would spot women that were leaving bars perhaps or just walking alone because he thought no woman should be out without a man escorting them and any woman alone was asking for trouble fuck in 1992 like this is like something from the 1950s that's crazy it makes me so irate it really does it was thought that he would also target women who reminded him of his mother he seemed to go after women who were fuller figured and shorter. Oh, that's which would have matched what his mother okay. was. However, he was mad because his wife cheated, but he also has this deep rage because he believes his mom cheated. And I guess at this point, he just thinks all women cheat. He's just and, like the two women in my life or. Yeah, but he has a daughter like anyways. Unfortunately, that doesn't change the way a grown up man is going to act having a daughter. No, you would hope so, but it doesn't. So he would drive around at night and look for these women and he would pull up and ask them if they wanted a ride. This would be during the winter time when it was very cold. Yeah. And because he was a cop, he was in police uniform. He was in a cop car. A lot of women would never have gotten with a stranger, but it's a cop. Was it a cop car? Yes. Okay. He was using his cop vehicle. Yikes. They would get in the car with him. Then he would ask them a question. So he had, huh? Go ahead. Sorry. I'm just, every single scenario runs through my head in this situation. That's just so scary. I would not get in a car with a cop. Don't get in a car with anyone. Oh my God. No one, especially a cop. When these girls would get in the car with what they assumed was just a police officer, he would ask them questions about, what they were out doing. He was basically giving them a test to see if they were chased or what he considered a whore. And he even brings this up. He's like, I didn't kill them all. Some of them I let go if they mm. answered properly. But who's to say like, can we trust? <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, can we trust? Because I'm going to tell you some of these victims and there's no way. Yeah. So here was his quote. I'll say first, he said, the victims were those who unaccompanied by men at night without a certain purpose were on the streets behaving carelessly what? <laughs> by being out at night without a man gotta have a man who were not afraid to enter into conversation with me you're a fucking cop dude why would they be like i know and then the fact that they got into his car he said they would get into my car and then once they got in my car they seemed to want to go for a drive in search of certain adventures he's like they were just looking 
for entertainment. They were ready to drink alcohol and would have had sexual intercourse with me. But this is all him saying this. Like, I know. He just assumed this about the woman because he never gave them the chance to actually answer those questions. He just <sighs> would ask them what they were doing out and where they were going, basically. And then he said, sometimes he would say, would you like to drink with me? And if they said, sure, I'll have a drink, then he decided they were a whore and deserved to die. This is Russia, right? Yes. Everybody drinks vodka. It's fucking negative 10 degrees outside. What the hell? His mom was an alcoholic. I don't know if he just associated it. Anyways, he said, not all women became victims, only those of a certain negative behavior. And I had a desire to teach and punish them. His way of teaching and punishing them was death. Oh, my God. So fuck him. Anyways, we don't even know how to respond to some of these things. No, not at all. I don't know what to say. Are we allowed to like have him sit down, line up and I'll slap him <laughs> like a <laughs> nice. hundred women? Don't worry. Just, he's <laughs> he's had. Yeah, he's where he needs to be today. I can't wait to tell you about the Russian prison that he lives in. OK. For the rest of his life. Thankfully, as I said, he would find women who resembled his mother. He would take them and if they answered that question in any way that he felt like they were deserving to be taught a lesson or punished he would drive them out into the middle of nowhere he would many times either knock them over the head while driving or he would wait until he got out there and he would knock them over the head out in the forest basically wanted to incapacitate them yeah he would then if they were still awake when he got there he would force them to strip naked and he would basically bludgeon them, as I said, with any anything weapon he, he had. had. He would then have sex with their corpse. I don't understand these fucking men who hurt women for being what they think is promiscuous and then by having sex with them and then do that. As mentioned earlier, Ugh. he killed them. It was like in a psychotic rage, in a mania. Maybe that's why he's called a maniac. There were some women that he beheaded. I don't even know why. So not only beheading women, he also would gouge out organs. Uh, Some of them had their heart gouged out and left at the scene. He did not try to cover his tracks. He just did it and left. You said he bludgeoned them in the car too? Some of them. Did they find evidence ever? No. Oh. Which is odd. Yeah. But we will go into here in a minute. He had a couple of women that survived. And that's how we know that he did hit some of them over the head in the car. Wow. Or he drugged them. He, once again, didn't have like a real standard way. It was just like, get the girl in the car and then just do whatever comes to mind. I guess. (laughs) And some nights he was more brutal than others. Maybe the way that they answered made him more angry. Maybe. We do know all of the women and the reason they were able to catch him eventually is because he did have sex with every single one of these women and there was material, you know, semen left at the scene. So these brutal killings and him decapitating or killing them carelessly with whatever weapon he had is why he became known as the werewolf. They also called him that because women were only killed at night. Mm. It was never done during the day. They would find the bodies the next morning. This was over 18 years with at least 82 women. So I don't know how like often that was happening. I don't have those kind of details. Right. But I do want to talk about some of the victims that we know. So one victim, her name was Tatiana Martinova, and she was 20 years old. She was found next to her best friend, Yulia Kuprakova, and they were killed on the 29th of October, 1998. 
they were found by the roadside in a suburb of Angarsk. Two of them at the same time. Yes. Mm. So they interviewed Tatiana's sister and she feels her name's Victoria and she's now 46. She owns a beauty salon in Angarsk and she now still feels horrible for what happened. They were interviewing her in 2013 and she said, even though it happened over 15 years ago, the pain has not gone away. She was like, I was the one who gave Tatiana a, a ticket to go to a concert that night and Aww. she brought her friend Yulia along and she was killed on the way home from their concert. A concert. And she wasn't alone. They were together. No, it was two girlfriends just out enjoying a concert. Tatiana was married with a small child. She had a husband named Igor. He was 24 years old at the time and she was 20. Why is Igor such a cute fucking name? (laughs) And he seems like a (laughs) sweet man. He was against her going to the concert because this is 1998. So this is... Six years women have gone missing and he was afraid Mm -hmm. for his wife to go. But it was a concert. She wanted to go. She was going with a girlfriend. She thought she was safe. That's hard because I would have been her. I'm like, fuck you. I'm going. I know. By myself. Thank you. You don't own me. I want to go to a concert. I don't want to sit inside scared all the time. I'm taking my friend. We'll be fine. We're not going to get in the car with a strange man. That's what they all think. I know. I'm not going to get in the car with a strange man. Yeah. But you got a cop. No one knows it's a cop. Not yet. The other thing, I want to bring up this too before I keep talking about the victims. Not only would he offer rides and women would get in willingly, if women would not get in the car with him, he would say, I'm going to arrest you. Wow. Okay. So it wasn't always their choice. It wasn't a choice. He would say, you seem intoxicated. Oh, wow. Get in the car or I'm going to arrest you. He also would play on the fears of the girls and he would say, it's not safe out here. There is a killer on the loose. Let me give you a ride home. Yeah. I'm a cop. We've seen that in movies. Yeah. It's really easy it's, to say that. So it's really By the way, up. if you're being told that you need to go somewhere, get arrested, and you don't trust somebody, you can call the cops. Right. And give them the number and the badge and whatever you need to do and be like, is this dude allowed to be talking to me right now? You can get it clarified. If they're being like super forceful and they're the only ones, mm-hmm. you can call. Didn't I feel like there was another serial killer that pretended to be a cop. I think that that's how several even attempted killers have been caught because they're impersonating cops. Yeah. And now the girls are like, no, I don't trust you. You might be dressed up like that. I don't trust you. And they'll call the actual yeah. police headquarters and be like, hey, there's this guy, this, this. And they're like, no. I'm just thinking culturally in Russia at the time, the cops were respected. Like nobody would have thought that. And we don't know. This hadn't happened true. in that and area before. It's respected. And for all we know, cops there, like mom and dad are like, always listen to exactly. the cops or, you know, always this. We don't know and what's being said there. Mikhail was charismatic. Everybody said he was funny and like, I'm sure he wasn't coming across like stern and mean at first. He was probably like, seemed like a nice guy. Who knows? He could have showed a picture and said, here's my daughter. Here's my wife. Like, that's true. Who knows what he said to most of these women did not survive. The ones that did survive, we'll talk about and they'll say what he said. And that's how we know some of his tactics. Right. But yeah, he's a nice looking dad guy. I'll post pictures. Dad guy. He looks like a dad. Like I wouldn't have been afraid of him, but that's the scariest kind. It is scary. Okay. So back to Tatiana and Yulia. So the morning of October 29th, Tatiana did not come home and Igor started worrying because that was not like his wife. Mm-hmm. He called over to Yulia's house thinking that his wife probably spent the night with her friend because they got home late. 
He said there were no mobile phones at the time. He called Yulia's parents and they said, no, Yulia didn't come home either. We thought she was sleeping at Tatiana's. Mm. So at that time, Igor and Tatiana's sister and Yulia's parents went to the police and they were told they should wait three days. Three before, days? Yeah, before the young woman could be listed as missing. Oh, my God. Don't go missing in Russia. And they're like, oh, whatever. Oh, <laughs> wow. However, it didn't even take three days because that same night, a shepherd found their naked Aww. bodies in that village called Megat, close to Angarsk. Igor was absolutely devastated and could not even speak. He just kept saying over and over, she was killed. She was killed. So Tatiana and Yulia were found next to each other. Their bodies were cut up and chopped into pieces. Oh Both girls had been raped. The experts told the family that they were killed first and then raped. However, they find that out. Tatiana's older brother, Oleg, went to the morgue to identify the body because the others could not. So Igor was beside himself. Of course. Tatiana's sister is like, I can't do this. So her brother flew in from Moscow. He said he felt sick when he saw her body because she had been so mutilated. He was almost green when he came out. He could not say a word. And she said, I did not dare to go in and look at my sister. They discovered that Tanya and Yulia had gone for a quick drink with friends after the concert. Then they were offered a lift by a policeman. Tatiana's sister said, only the fact that this bastard was in a police uniform explains why my sister got into his car. Right. Many people attended their funerals. She said it felt like the whole town was there. She said her poor mother could not cope with the loss of her daughter and that she actually lost consciousness several times during the funeral. I so this just it. devastated this yeah. family. 20 years old, her 24-year-old husband. It doesn't say how old her child was, but... I'm assuming a couple years. I mean, right. We, we never know. So it's common in Russia to have an open casket at the funeral. Oh, no. Tatiana's coffin was open because her face had not been hurt, and so they were able to... Show her face because she had been killed to the back of her skull. Her body was heavily cut, but they were able to cover that up and give her the proper Russian funeral. Unfortunately, Yulia's body was so disfigured that they had to give her a closed coffin funeral, which was really devastating for the family. Yeah, I understand. Tatiana's mother was so upset from her daughter's death that she actually died just one year after of a broken heart. So... And I, just, I truly believe that that losing happens. a child is yeah. just devastating, especially in this kind of way. Horrific because there's nothing that you can do when you you can't get it out of your mind what they were going through. No. In those last moments. The family had to wait a long, long time for justice to be served. This was a cold case for years. It happened in 1998 and Popkoff was not found to be the killer until 2012. Wow. So 14 years later. Yeah. What is most haunting to Victoria, Tatiana's sister, is that when Popkov was arrested, she realized she knew him. Oh, no. They had both been involved in a biathlon together at the same sports ground. She said, I was struck with horror when I saw the picture of this maniac in the paper and online. My sister's killer was looking into my eyes. I immediately felt as if I'd met him. Looking at him, I could hardly breathe. Some minutes later, I looked at him another time and thought, oh my God, I know him. I was so shocked. I even took a knife and cut his face in the newspaper. I needed to let this horror out of me. I remember him as a tall, slim man. He was always alone with a slippery and shifty glance. 
I think such people just must not live. This beast took the life of my sister who had so many happy years in front of her. I cried a lot that day, but it's time to be quiet and just wait. He will be punished by law and criminals in jail will punish him too. I am sure he will pay for all the murders one day. So in 1999, there were two other victims found. On August 12th, they found a beheaded body of a woman. She was found with six knife wounds and her remains had been put into a trash can in Angarsk. Her name is not known. What they do know is that she was a medical student and that she was probably around 20 to 22 years old. How do they know she's a medical student without knowing her name? I'm not sure. But yeah. I saw that okay. in several, <laughs> like I said, once again, trying to research They're a like, Russian. I can tell by her fingernails that girl was a medical student. <laughs> Maybe she was in scrubs. I don't Maybe. like, I don't know. They may have known her name, but it wasn't released. Like perhaps her family I'm didn't. assuming it's that way. Yeah. yeah. Just five days later, they found Maria Malakava. She was 20 years old and she worked at a water pumping station in Angarsk. She was found dead in the forest and she had gone missing and her family had been looking for her. And unfortunately, that's how they found her. In June of 2000, Marina Lizina, 35, and Lilia Pashkoskava, 37, were also found to be victims. And they were so mauled and disfigured that they had to be buried in closed coffins as well. Is it a common thing that he likes to take two at a time that are friends or those just kind of... So he didn't typically take two at a time that was odd that he took those two but for whatever reason he would group the bodies together almost oh. always they found two bodies together but they weren't necessarily killed, killed so, at the same time so the ones I just mentioned the medical student and then Maria Malakava they were found together and then Marina and Lilia were also found together it's like he 2000 that, well that must be a weird thing of tick of his then Mm-hmm. that he wants them to have a friend in death or something. I don't know. And he would what take them back to the same place where the other girl had been killed, I right. guess, and leave the second body. But it was they were always found in twos. And, and they were usually found on Wednesdays, which is how he got the name, the Wednesday Killer. And they're found on Wednesdays. Why? Because he headed the task force. <laughs> that's that's what's interesting like I have it written in here I'm sure I might end up repeating it but he would show up for some of these cases he would be investigating his own murders that's so fucked yeah Marina and Lilia actually were captured together and killed together they were friends and they worked in the same shop and on June 2nd they had went to see Marina's sister at midnight they started to go home At first, they wanted to order a taxi, but then they changed their minds. It was a pleasant summer night, and they decided they could walk. There I go. I know. (laughs) Pleasant summer night. So these were some of the older victims that he killed because Marina was 35 and Lilia was 37. And Marina had a 14-year-old daughter, and Lilia had two children. She had a 12-year-old daughter and a 3-year-old son. Wow. So these were just women out going to see Marina's sister and... They were just walking. Now, this was interesting. So Popkoff killed both of these women. And afterwards, he realized that he left his police badge at the scene. What are you doing with it at the scene? He's in this like crate because he's wearing the police uniform and he has the badge and it must have fallen off while he was committing a murder. I also wonder, like he was committing all these murders in his police. I mean, doesn't it have blood on it? That's what I'm thinking. Like, and these weren't like easy murders he's like 
decapitating some and of these his women. Wife he's gouging no their longer hearts. has a job. It doesn't notice that he's washing well, we're gonna bloody talk about clothes his every wife. night. Yeah. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about that good. because okay. she covers for him. Okay. So he said, I found the token badge right away, but I saw that one of the women was still breathing. I was shocked by the fact that she was still alive. So I finished her off with a shovel. And this is him talking 20 something years after the crimes. And he talks very matter factly. And from what I read, he has a photographic memory. Oh, no. He recalls every single detail. He was able to take cops specifically to where he left bodies that were never found. Oh, wow. So he's got the gift to remember every single detail of every single so, murder. But they are found now, right? Yeah, they were found. Okay. In, I think the last group was found. I'll go through it here in a minute. I think it was 2017. Oh, my gosh. He, this is even more fucked up. He even targeted a music teacher at his daughter's school. Nobody knew that he was responsible or what happened to her. He brought this up after he was arrested. And he said, her corpse was found in the forest along with the body of another woman. My daughter asked me to give her money as the school was collecting to organize the teacher's funeral. I gave her money. Oh. Oh, my God. The guy's a sociopath. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. So I am going to bring some light or two women did get away from Mikhail, thankfully. This is going to be really frustrating because one of these girls that got away could have helped get him caught. Oh, no. But the police did not listen to her. So let's go into that story. So it wasn't her fault. No. Her name was Svetlana. And I'm not going to say her last name. They just call her Svetlana M because her last name is really hard to pronounce. Okay. She was 17 years old and she was a virgin. She was attacked while returning home from a friend's house in her home city of Angarsk. Describing the day of the attack, Svetlana said she was walking home in the bitter cold when a police car stopped and the driver offered her a lift. I thought it was safe to go with a policeman, she said. I was so cold from head to toe, so I accepted. She remembers after she got into the car with him, she told him where her house was. And as they were driving, he drove right past her house. And she said, where are we going? Oh, no, poor kid. The next thing she recalled was him repeatedly banging her head against a tree. She said it seemed to go on for an eternity. He removed all of her clothes and left her totally naked. She said she was crying and weeping the entire assault. She said, I was shaking. He wanted to rape me. He was completely mute. He didn't respond to anything. He said nothing. Svetlana recalled, I was able to crawl out from under him and ran to his car. I was hoping to find car keys there, but I failed. He caught me. And I tripped down some steps. She was able to escape him again. So this girl's got like some. Well, she's 17. I don't know. Yeah. There's something about that. When you're younger, I feel like we're just like, no, fuck you. You yeah. don't get to have me. She's like, I'm and 17. And she's a. You. Yeah. And so Svetlana had been raped. She had been beaten. She tried to get in the car and couldn't. And then she got out. He caught her again. And she was able to wrangle away from him. She ran out onto the road and there was a car passing by and she waved them down and they refused to stop. She's naked. There is a girl naked on the road waving like I'm sure she she maybe she doesn't have blood yet, but they just drove faster because with everything we've looked into, too, sometimes they use crazy (laughs) people like that to lure you in and take you. It's it's so hard that we're now in a world where we can't trust anyone or anything. So this poor girl was waving down that car. I would say, yes, get in, get in my trunk. Right. And I'll take you to something, the hospital. Well, the next car that came along was Mikhail Popkov in his car. He saw her, pulled over, grabbed her, dragged her back into the bushes and attacked her again. So she was attacked three times by him and he was he left her for dead. The next thing she recalls, she woke up and it was 
so cold and she was on a cold table and she looked over and spotted a label on the toe of a corpse next to her and realized she was in the morgue. Wow. She had been found and the cops believed she was dead. Wow. And they sent her to the morgue. She woke up. Thank God. Yeah. (laughs) So she started talking and they realized that she was in fact not dead. She was taken to the hospital. She was deeply traumatized and could not talk for days. The doctor could not tell her name or her age. Like she was just in like a catatonic state. And so she was listed as being 25 years old in the hospital. Half of her hair had been torn out. Oh. And she was paralyzed down one side of her body. She finally came to. Her brain was very damaged. She had frostbite. She contracted syphilis because fuckers. The asshole had gotten syphilis somewhere along the way. Yeah, because, you know, he's the one that's clean. She said, I was a virgin before he attacked me, so I know it was him who infected me. She said when she was finally discharged from the hospital several months after the attack, her hair had turned gray. She said this attack aged her by years. I believe it. She added, I wasn't able to walk or talk. I had to learn everything again from the beginning. It took me over three months. She said, I had a stutter and I still do. When Popkov was eventually brought to court, she went along and she saw him. She said, I recognized him in court. He was handcuffed. And she said the second she saw him, she lost the ability to walk again. It was like this trauma, like she just collapsed. Wow. She said, he said nothing to me when he saw me in court. He did not ask to forgive him. Nothing. She said, I was shocked to know the amount of victims that he did this to. But he seemed to have no remorse. She said he completely ruined her life. He does not deserve to live. If not for him, I would have had a normal life. I would have had a family. I would have had great kids. But now I live my life only with medicines. He doesn't repent. He is an absolute monster. Wow. Now, I want to say something else about Svetlana. Okay. She woke up after being in the morgue with brain damage. And she specifically told them, I got in the car with a cop. The person who attacked me was a cop. Yeah. They brought her pictures of all of the cops on the police force. And she pointed directly to Mikhail Popkoff and said, that is the man that I got in the car with. And he is the one that attacked me. Wow. The cops laughed at her and said, no, you must have a brain damaged little girl. Mikhail would never do that. Oh, my God. (sighs) She had been raped. They had semen samples. Right. They didn't do a DNA test. They called Mikhail's wife, Elena, and said, this little girl believes that your husband was the one that picked her up and attacked her. And Elena knows her husband's gone every night. Yeah. Or a lot. Right. She lied and said, I know that night he was here with me. And they took their alibis and they said, Mikhail said he didn't do it. His wife, Elena, said he was at home with her. That's good enough for us. And they wrote her off. Like she knows who these people are. She's pointing out someone specific to you. So shitty police work. And probably 50 other women died after Svetlana that didn't have to die. Why does they it could always have taken happen that way? So I looked into it and they were saying like DNA testing, even in the 90s in Russia was very, very expensive. It was considered a newer technology because it's Russia and they're way behind where we are in the United States technologically, all of that because of the fall of the Soviet Union. And for them to do DNA testing would have taken like their entire month's budget at the police force. Oh my God. And they just weren't willing to do it. And they thought that I just, 
I don't understand why they would think this little girl would make something like that up. I know. And not even like. And she was in the morgue. Can you give her a fucking second (laughs) and listen to her for two seconds? Wow. They just could not believe that a police officer would have done that. And it was never. Well, what's sick is maybe some of the other ones also do similar things. So they're also going to say that, too. Maybe. And be like, no, how not a cop. Because they're like, well, shit, I do similar things. Well, then I'll get found out. So I can't go after my bro who's doing that, too. Or they want to do those things. The other known survivor, her name is Evgenia Protasova. She is now 42 years old. She was attacked in July of 1999 when she was only 18 years old. So she had gone out for a date night with her boyfriend and they were at the restaurant and they were having a nice dinner. And then they got into a little bit of a fight. And she said they were going to leave around midnight and they had been through this fight and her boyfriend wanted her to go to his place because he wanted to get lucky. And she was like, I got to work tomorrow. I don't want to go to your place. I want to go to my house. Yeah. Can you take me home? And he was like, if you're not going to come to my house, then you can just walk home. And he would not give you her a ride. deserve fucking nookie anyway. Right. Douchebag. Fuck this dude. And what the fuck? So she was walking home because her douchebag of a boyfriend felt like she was there to give him sex whenever he wanted. Wow. And because she was like, I'm tired, he made her walk home. And that was when a policeman pulled up and offered her a lift. No. <laughs> she said he was not in a police uniform, but he had his officer's ID. So she felt safe. And it was a long walk home. It was very cold out. So she got in the car with him. She said it was about a three minute drive away. And she said they quickly got to her house. But instead of stopping, he accelerated the car and drove away. She said, I began screaming. She was like, I did not know what was happening. She said, I could not stop screaming. And at that point, he hit me over the head and I lost consciousness. She said, the rest I remember in bits and pieces. But I can recall that he drove me to the forest He got out of the car and tried to drag me out too. And he hit me on the head one more time because she had, I guess, come too. I vividly remember his face. He did not look human. He looked like a beast. And I was completely Mm. frightened. Yeah. Because he probably does transform when he's in this. And Svetlana said he didn't say anything, didn't respond to her. It's like he's in this like manic. He like goes into a different kind of like Sean Sellers with the blink. I'm wondering if he does something like that too. And just does his monstrous acts. She said, I clearly understood he was going to kill me. So I gathered all my strength, quickly jumped out of my high heeled shoes and started running away. But I was not strong enough to escape from him. And my head was hurting and Mm. injured. She said, of course, he caught me quickly. And she remembers him hitting her over the head again. She said the terrible fear of imminent death was her last memory. Oh, that's so hard. The next time she regained consciousness, she was in a hospital. Thank goodness. Yes. Getting hit in the head three times, too. Yeah. And Uh, it kind of it kind of reminds me of the girl who survived Randy Woodfield. Yes. With the two shots in the head. Yeah. She said what happened was the next day there were people out picking mushrooms in the forest and they found her. She said her mother was telling her or recounting what happened and she was found completely naked. The man had undressed and raped her or she actually says this bastard had undressed and raped me. And then he thought he was strangling me to death. She's like, I have no idea how I survived. She still has a scar on her neck from the strangling. Oh, he was doing it with it. 
like some something. kind of rope or something. Yeah. She said she found out because she also went when he was sentenced and she said the state investigators were telling her about all of the different ways that he had killed victims and she found out he killed women with axes, hammers, knives, screwdrivers, shovels, and that some victims had 145 or even 170 knife wounds. Like wow. he was just... She was fortunate. He, for whatever reason, maybe he didn't have any of those weapons. He decided to strangle her and she survived. It's insane. So she had no idea who had attacked her for years and years. And then in 2012, when Mikhail was arrested, his photograph was posted in a paper and she saw him and she knew as soon as she saw the picture, that was the man who had attacked her. Right. But for whatever reason, she said, I decided not to go to the police. I thought it was so long ago and nobody would listen to me. And she's like, how could I even prove it was him? Mm -hmm. But she said the investigators came to her probably because they had samples. They did at least, you know, they weren't doing DNA testing, but they did keep samples from every single body. Right. So they found her through the DNA testing and told Mm -hmm. her this was the man that had attacked her. She said, I have a good family now. I'm married with two children. I have a son and a daughter. But I have been living under a huge pressure for all those years. It never went away. I felt a great relief when I told my story first to the police and then to my husband. So she had married a man and never told him she had been attacked or anything like that. I mean, it's one of those things because the moment you say it, especially in a romantic relationship, you're going to be looked at differently. That's who you become. Yeah, that's who you are. And then they want to just take care of you. So she like pressed this all down. I guess that's why she's saying she was living with this huge pressure. And once again, I'm translating her quotes from Russian. So that's why it's so disconnected. But um, she says, I still have this huge pain in my heart. I can't imagine it will ever go away. It's a hard thing to get past. She was able to go face to face with Mikhail in court. And she said, I felt disgust when I looked at him. He's so small and skinny now. She's like, with me, he was strong and healthy. I don't want to know that this beast will live. He should be executed or shot dead. Let him give the locations to everything else, though, first. And that's, yeah, you know, that's the hard part is all these other women that are supposed victims of his as well. They deserve to be put to rest. Their families deserve to know something. And if he knows it. Right. Mm. And he does. He has a photographic memory. Right. So. Let's talk about the investigation and what they were doing. So that's all I have on the victims. Like I said, there weren't that many that were shared. I do have pictures of most of these girls. They were all, you know, young girls in the 90s. They have the cute hair that we wore back in the 90s. So when you see them, (laughs) feel really, really sad for... So it was over there the same time it was here? Kind of. Actually, probably they look more like they're in the 80s because it's... Okay. (laughs) Now that I think about it. But they had the bangs. Okay. I, I think the bangs were 90s, right? The little curled up. No, I think that was the 80s. Wasn't okay. I was in junior high. You need to remember that I'm from what did I say in that episode? The hood. (laughs) (laughs) We had those like huge hairsprayed bangs and like to get them to curl all the way out there, like you held it out with something from an Aquanet. (laughs) Yeah, Aquanet. (laughs) But I know what you mean. It's like it feathers up as well. Is that what you're Mm -hmm. talking about? Yeah, Yeah. that's how most of these girls' hair looks. So I think it was similar. Because I was in junior high with that hairstyle and that was probably 1990, something like that. I don't remember if I've ever done that. I did have a perm at once. Oh, I had plenty of perms. I hated the smell of it and I never did it again. (laughs) No, the perms (laughs) were the worst. I get why parents did that though. They're like, I don't want to deal with her hair anymore. Do something with it. (laughs) Right. Especially (laughs) when you have six kids. (laughs) And it was, you know, the cool thing at the time. So one of the main investigators who was working on the Mikhail Popkov case, his name was Mikhail Zavarin. 
Yeah. Uh, Mikhail was a very popular name in Russia. Nothing was found for years and years and years. All of these cases were just filed away as cold cases. They hadn't connected them as one serial killer. They just thought women just die. <laughs> like, oh, I just had a horrible thought. You said he used... Sorry to interrupt you, but I'm afraid I would miss this. You said he used the uh, evidence from other people to kill these people. And what if that evidence is still an unsolved murder, too? Yeah, you don't know. It's he's just fucking things up everywhere. Mm -hmm. Fucker. Okay, sorry. So they were hunting this person for a while and it. Got picked back up in 2003. Mikhail Zavarin came in and he was the one that started looking at all these cold cases and thinking, I think this is the work of one person. Right. And so he tried to put together what a psychological profile would be of this killer slash rapist that they had on their hands. He said, this has to be a person who is charming and sociable. Women like him. Because he was able to, you know, get them in his car. They, this is kind of really funny. So they put this psychological profile together. I'm just going to read it, what they said. Okay. They said, he may either be a metal worker, bus driver, railroad. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, that's never in the list. Okay. (laughs) He's either a metal worker, a bus driver, a railroad worker, or a heating station engineer. (laughs) What the fuck? Those are all over the fucking place. I know. And then they were like, but we're also convinced that he may also be a mortuary worker because so many bodies are found near cemeteries. In other words, they had no fucking clue. Like, <laughs> wow. Throw in clown. So that was the police detective work that was going on in the time. How much time did you spend on that profile? <laughs> I'm like, I could have written that. <laughs> That's like all the jobs in Angarsk. Right, exactly. <laughs> Except a police officer. Right. But they had this one girl, Svetlana, that was like, it's a police officer. And no. they never even. Yeah. Like, oh, no, it's not that. It's it probably a metal worker. It's probably a bus driver. Oh, you know what? It's probably a mortuary worker. <laughs> they're near. They're in the forest, you know, near the. It was by a cemetery. It's got to be a mortuary worker. That doesn't even make sense. It to doesn't me. even make sense. Now, once again, Mikhail Popkov didn't have to do much to evade authorities. The Russian investigators were so disorganized at the time that he just had to be slightly more organized than them. Right. And it didn't take him much because he knew their strengths and weaknesses. He knew how they investigated. He even showed up to investigate, like I said, some of his own crimes. So the failure of the police to even suspect Popkov and then also his wife, covering for him allowed him to murder many many women over the years so the investigators formed a task force and they were looking for this criminal they had all of his genetic material from the crime scenes but they could not find anyone successfully and then suddenly at the beginning of 2000 the killings just seemed to stop Mm. well let me tell you why mikhail popkov retired from being a police officer in 1999 do you have to Give back all your shit? Yes. Oh. He then went on and moved to a different area and became a security guard. So oh, no. So they're only looking in Angarsk because that's where it's been happening. So right. they think he's gone, but he's not. He's just moved to a different area. New outfit. Yep. He says in interviews that he did stop killing in 2000. He says that he got syphilis from one of those dirty women Oh, boy. While he killed and then raped her dead corpse. Right. She gave him syphilis. Yep. That whore. And oh I love, God. I just love these men that are like judging women as loose while they murder I'm like, them. You literally <laughs> are killing them and then sticking your dick in them. <laughs> Fuck you. Like, wow. how are you, Mr. Morals? I just, no. 
because they don't yeah. have any. They honestly don't even understand it. They're just no. using one thing and they're like, well, this is why I'm justified. And so now you have to listen forever. <sighs> Anyways, he says he got syphilis and could no longer get it up. Basically, he became impotent. And when he couldn't get it up anymore, he stopped killing women. But they now believe and they know because he admits to it later, he did continue to kill until he was caught in 2012. So in the investigation, let's go back to the good Mikhail. He was the one that was connecting all of these cold cases together. And he noticed a common detail in many of the crime scenes. And that was tire tracks from a four by four Lada. This is a vehicle that was used by members of the police in Russia mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah. And so then he was like, oh, this seems interesting. Maybe it's a cop. <laughs> oh, maybe, oh, maybe. Lana said that maybe. a long time ago. Yeah. Dude. Anyways, so he started looking into that and said, we need to do DNA testing on all current and former members of the police. And that was a total of 3,500 men. Wow. See, none of you are going to hide now if there's other semen on. No. Anywhere. <laughs> so Mikhail had moved good. off. Yeah, he had moved away and he was now a security guard for a chemical plant. And he gets asked to submit a DNA test. As soon as he provided this DNA sample, he started scheming on how the fuck he's going to get out of the country because he knew it was all going to come back. He knew he did. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but he couldn't get out because he probably didn't have the money. But they arrested him on June 23rd, 2012, while he was busy buying a car right by the border near Mongolia. So he was trying to get out. Where's His it? DNA was a 100% match wow. with the sperm that there was found go. on several of the victims. Bye. To this, he says... Here's another great it's Mikhail Popkov quote. my stepbrother. <laughs> he said, I could not anticipate the examination of DNA. I was born in another century. Now that there are such modern technologies and methods, but not earlier. I mean, he's a cop. He has to know that they keep this evidence. They're collecting this biological evidence to store somewhere. So, yeah, he was like the dumbest criminal ever. I if guess. you really think about it, because he just left the scene he didn't try to cover anything up. He just left the dead bodies. He, he went back once left. to go get his ID. Yeah. <laughs> but that just tells you how shoddy the police work was when right. he was on the force. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have the money to do any testing. And and women dying just wasn't a big deal to yeah. that area because people died all the time. It's just a hard, <sighs> it's a hard place. And that's how they treated. And he knew he could get away with it because he knew how the police operated and that right. they wouldn't care, especially if he was killing mostly sex workers. Yep. The only ones that got him caught were when he killed these women that had families and children and people well, that cared and about them that reported them missing. But right. all the other, you know, women who probably came from other areas of Russia just were never known. Like their family probably knew they ran away years right. ago. Yeah. So he said, I could not anticipate the examination of DNA. And he said, if we had not got to that level of genetic examination, then I would not be sitting in front of you. Well, thank God. And he would still be did. killing women. <laughs> so once they arrested him and he went to court, he was put under a lot of testing to see what the fuck was wrong with him. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not normal. Okay. No. This is not normal. They said he had a pathological attraction to killing people and a homicidal mania with sadistic elements, but they ruled him sane enough to stand trial. Good. So he was not going to get off with insanity. Yeah. They also said that he had continued because 
part of being a policeman in Russia at the time, you had to pass mental tests to right. make sure. And he always passed the psychological yeah, profile. Okay. So that was more reason where they're like, this guy's not getting off with insanity. We are going to throw everything at him, which I think well, is great. Because they would, it would then shed shitty light on them to have allowed someone in such a mental yeah, okay. I had to be on the police force. Mental, exactly. <laughs> it would it would be bad, bad, bad news for them. So Angar's psychiatrist, Alexander Grishin, said there are two groups of maniacs. Once again, maniacs, I guess, is what they use to say crazy people. Yeah. What do we what do we call them here? Psychotic. I don't know. They call them maniacs. So he said there are Serial two groups. killers. <laughs> <laughs> there are two groups, organized and non-organized. Non-organized maniacs are easy to catch. Their crimes are quickly solved. They are people with psychiatric pathologies who live in their own world and they're often untidy. Okay, I would say that sometimes that's the opposite. Well, the non-organized. So these are the guys that are running oh, around with their hair crazy and okay. they're in a straight jacket. I don't know. Ramirez. This is just <laughs> dirty person. <laughs> Organized maniacs, Popkoff is a good example, are people with high mental abilities, socially adapted, often with families. They find convenient jobs, which secures them and gives them the time for crime. It is a hard job to catch such a maniac. It is hard to spot such a person. Even police enrollment tests are not good enough for it. The fact that only drunk women attracted him could be the result of his childhood problems and associations of his mother using alcohol and often abusing him as a child. Again, that doesn't give him. It doesn't excuse. give you an excuse. No, but that was the you know deep psychological profiling done on him, I guess. So he was sentenced to life in jail for twenty-two murders in two thousand and twelve. At least he was charged on it a good chunk, because usually you don't see that. Usually they're no. charged on one or two when there's countless. Right now, in two thousand and fifteen, while in jail, he confessed to fifty-nine other murders. He was only convicted so far of 47 because those were the only ones that they could take and find the bodies and connect him to. But they are still processing the other 12. I can't believe still even just 47 is an outrageous number to connect someone to based on semen. I know. Head of the committee's criminology department in that region of Siberia. His name is Ivan. He said it's planned that a criminal case with new episodes will be passed to the court soon. Declined to say how many alleged murders are expected in the new charges, but he said they are checking all the unsolved murders of women since the 1990s. They're looking through the archives and they're trying to see if they can connect them to Popkov's trademark style. So they are still working as of today to connect him. It's unclear now he could come out and confess to more crimes. He has done that now. He was arrested in 2012. Three years later, he said 59 more. That's why they think it could be up to 200. Here's one of the, um, I think it was actually the Time Suck podcast brought this up. He said, I'll tell you about the prison he's in here in a minute. But when you come up and say that you or confess to more crimes, they let you out of prison to go and find those. So they think that and maybe he did that so he could get out of prison for well, like that, a few and weeks. What I've been what I've been assuming too is that maybe certain I don't know if there's death penalty stuff there or not. Maybe these types of things extend certain sentencings or things from being carried out. So I didn't see anything about a death penalty here. He was given two life sentences. So he got one for the first 22. And then when he confessed to the other 59, the 47 that they convicted him of at this point in 2023, he got a second life sentence. Mm. No death penalty. Maybe he was hoping for a death penalty because when I tell you about the prison, you'd probably want to die. So sometimes there's a fate worse than death. And I think that Mikhail is living that. And I'm thankful that he is because he's a monster. 
I mean, if he keeps saying, well, there's more, there's more, there's more, I'm assuming at some point he's going to attempt some type of escape situation oh. during one of these outings because he's only going to get more time. I was seeing, too, that in Russia, when you talk about a murder, if you are the murderer, you actually, <laughs> this is so weird, and I saw a picture of it online, they give them dummies, like the, I'm thinking of like the CPR dummies, and they show them with the dummies what they did to the bodies, how they buried them. And like, so it's like a whole reenactment. And with him saying he did 59 more murders, he was out for a while to show all these reenactments and then take people to the places where he buried the bodies. But they found 47 of them. So you're he's not making this shit up. He re- actually did this. I know, but you're letting him reenact what he did? <laughs> That's sick. It's Russia. So I can't... <laughs> I don't want to say anything bad about another country and their culture, but that is the way that they do it there. But it's kind of crazy to us in America. That's really sickening, though, that you're literally sitting there watching him do what he did. I know. To a dummy. They said while looking for evidence, they also found murder weapons. He would even leave the axes, the screwdrivers, knives. All right there. Yeah. He showed them where they were. But this was a huge forest right outside. It's in Siberia. People aren't going hiking that often in the forest. I guess they're looking for mushrooms because that's how that one girl was found. But these bodies may have never been discovered if he put them, you know, very far out. Right. But it doesn't sound like he really tried to hide anything no. at all. Like, it, for a while, it seems that he was excited. Ooh, they're going to find two more of my ladies. Yeah. Like he wanted them to be found. Yeah. Because in a sick way, he probably enjoyed. Yeah. And that, that and that he, he was, was hiding in plain sight. It. Exactly. Yeah. So the number of killings for which he has been convicted exceeds the totals of several other notorious murderers in Russia. So you may have heard of the chessboard killer. His name is Alexander Pashushkin. He was jailed for life in 2007 for 48 murders. Most of those were elderly men that he met in Moscow Park. He is someone that I may cover in the future because he. Oh, poor elderly I know. men. What? And be, he befriends them by playing chess. He was called the chessboard killer because he aimed to kill one person for each of the 64 squares on the chessboard. And he got to 48 and, and was he caught. chose old men. Yeah, I don't know all the story behind it. That's why I said it might be. Okay, you can do it later. <laughs> yeah, he was he was the most well-known or one of the most well-known. The other one is Andre Chikatilo. He was convicted of 52 murders that were sexually motivated. He was known as the Butcher of Rostov. I feel like I've heard this story. He's a big one that a lot of people know. He was actually executed in 1994 before Russia imposed a moratorium on the death penalty. So they don't have the death penalty anymore as of 1994. Oh, okay. Interesting. Now, Popkov likes to boast to his cellmates that he has committed more murders than Chikatilo. He has an ego about how many people he killed because I guess that's a big deal to serial killers. What's scary is there's probably someone out there that's done more. Probably, and they just just hasn't been caught caught yet. Yeah. So he was given that second life sentence, which is actually rare in Russia. Usually they just give you one and it's done. But because his crimes were so heinous, they threw another one just to make sure he never got the fuck out. We need to be able to punish you in some way for all of this other stuff. While in prison, he got mad because he was deprived of his police pension. (laughs) Sorry, dude, when you kill 82 women you don't get your police pension. no i think you are just what is that dishonored yes dishonorable discharge yeah, or whatever you don't get to say anything about it anymore he kept appealing the decision and saying that he needed his pension to support his wife and daughter i Sorry. don't i didn't see if he ever got that approved but it was something that he she can kept. go back to work i mean she covered for him yeah go back to work 
So I want to tell you about where he is serving his double life sentences. It's called the Black Dolphin Prison. And this is known as the, I guess, the worst prison in Russia. And I'm sure all prisons in Russia suck, but this is the worst. So it is near the border of Kazakhstan, and it's one of the oldest in Russia. It gets its name, the Black Dolphin, because of a sculpture that sets outside of it that is of a black dolphin. It's actually like, called... It's the only pretty thing we have, so we need to name it something good. <laughs> the actual name of it is Penal Colony Number 6 of the Federal Penitentiary Reserve of Russia. <laughs> All I heard was penis. <laughs> penal. 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 <laughs> Originally, the Black Dolphin was just another jail, but... At some point, it changed over to being the place that houses the worst of Russia's criminals. Mm-hmm. Right now, they have approximately 700, including child molesters, murderers, terrorists, cannibals, and serial killers. Cannibals. Prisoners at the Black Dolphin are all serving sentences of life imprisonment, so nobody gets out. Everyone who goes to Black Dolphin stays at the Black Dolphin. Those are your brothers and sisters from here on out. <laughs> you get to stay with all the assholes. Wow. <laughs> That's one hell of a place to be. That is not where I would want to be a prison guard. Hell. Inmates are kept isolated in cells that have a set of three steel doors. For 90 minutes a day, they exercise in a larger cage. During this time, cells are searched for contraband or illegal items. Inmates are also under 24-hour surveillance and supervision. They are not permitted to rest or sit on their bunks from the time they wake up until bedtime. So that's roughly 16 hours. They're not allowed to sit? No. They have to be standing up. When prison officers make a command to the inmates, they must respond with the words, yes, sir. What if they need to shit? They have their own bathroom. They never leave their cell except for the 90 minutes a day. (laughs) Oh, they have to. They've learned how to. They just hover. (laughs) They hover over it. That doesn't count. (laughs) Yeah, because then they just be like, I I got the runs, bro. I got to sit on the toilet all day. (laughs) (laughs) If my if I was tired, I'd think of something. (laughs) So every 15 minutes, a guard makes rounds to ensure Black Dolphin inmates are complying with the rules, not sitting down, anything like that. The prisoners are fed soup four times a day. That's all they ever get. Same soup four times a day. Oh, my gosh. They are only allowed books, newspapers, and a radio. Prison guards place blindfolds on inmates as they arrive so they cannot map out the prison or plan an escape. The inmates are also blindfolded whenever they are transported between buildings Prisoners are kept bent over at the waist while a guard holds their handcuffed hands behind their back higher than their hips. So they're making sure that there's no way they can look around. Yeah. This escort control tactic allows for maximum brutal control while depriving the inmate of a view of his immediate surroundings. They think this will keep them from escaping. Inmates are never allowed to talk to each other. They stay in their cell alone. So basically it's all solitary confinement for every single person there. Forever and ever and ever until for their you life. die feels like hell to me yeah that's crazy they get the 90 minutes to exercise they never see the light of day they don't what have is windows. Ex- they don't want to exercise they're not allowed to sit all day right but but did you hear what i said about the 90 minutes of exercise it's just in another cage yeah it's just, just another they're just cage. walking around they there's get- no windows they don't see the outside ever wow they don't know if it's day they don't know if it's night they're literally going to become cannibalistic zombie people this is not somewhere you want to be in the apocalypse when no. the electricity no, no, goes no, out no, and they're no. loose no, they literally just might bite you. They're like, wow, <laughs> you look plump. So hearing this, you can understand why Mikhail was like, oh, I want to tell you about the other 59 women that I killed so that I can get out of this of hole for yeah. a few weeks. And it won't surprise me if I read in a few more years. He's 
confessing w- to more murders. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes them somewhere where another like murder weapon is that he found and tries to get his hands on one and end his life. Yeah. Maybe he's hoping, well, I guess there's no death penalty. So no matter how much he comes out and confesses, they're not going to give him the death penalty. I'm assuming because a lot of these people, though, get sick pretty, pretty I would think quickly and don't just eating for, live too long. I guess you could still starve yourself, right? You could just not eat and then you would die eventually unless they force you to eat. <laughs> they might, though. They, they might. might. They might not. So I want to talk about stories about what happened after he was arrested and what his wife said, what his mother said, and what his daughter said. Okay. And then I also want to talk a little bit more about interviews that have happened with him since he was arrested because he loves to talk to the press because once again, that allows him to get out of his cell for a, a little while. A lot of them really like to talk to the press. <laughs> <laughs> so when he was arrested and his face was all over the papers, you know, everyone comes out and is like, oh my God, I used to know him. So a former colleague of his said, when I read about him in the press, I literally choked because I used to work with him and I thought I knew him so well. He was an absolutely normal man. I used to work closely with him for five years. He knew lots of jokes and stories. He was the soul of the party. After he was sentenced to life in January 2015, Elena Popkova refused to see him as a vicious rapist and killer. She stated, we have been married for 28 years. If I suspected something wrong, of course I would divorce with him. I support him. I believe him. If he were to be released right now, I would not say a word and we would continue to live together. I love him. He did not cause me any harm for all these years, and I felt safe with him. That's scary. They're literally telling you, honey, that his semen is everywhere. He told his wife and his daughter, because I'm about to talk talk about her too, that he was framed by someone else. It wasn't him. It was somebody else on the police force, and that they like took him down because they didn't want to be. It was a different police officer. But now he's saying... But now, yeah, now he's saying all of this that he's done because... This was when he was first arrested. His wife said, I will stay with him forever. Oh, okay. Now she's singing a different tune. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. Um, the couple's daughter was Ekaterina. And she also found it impossible to admit that her dad was the one who committed these crimes. She said, I don't believe any of this. I always felt myself as a daddy's girl. For 25 years, we were together hand in hand. We walked, we rode bikes, we went to shops. He took picked me up from school. We both collected model cars, so we have the same hobby. I wanted to be a criminologist, so I read a book with tips of how investigators catch serial killers, and there were also basic classifications about murderers. Daddy doesn't fit any of these classifications. He doesn't look like some maniac. (laughs) Maniac. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. She was 25 years old saying this. Yeah. But now... After all of the evidence came out, I think this was right when he was arrested and they were in shock. All the evidence came out. The trial happened. They proved everything. And now both women have moved to another city. They started new lives. Ironically, Elena actually ended up marrying the co-worker that That she she was was found with. (laughs) Oh, wow. So that was probably true. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And Ekaterina actually is doing well. She became a school teacher. And she was in a recent interview, I think it was like back in 2019, and she was pregnant with a son. Okay. And she voiced concern that her son would take on some of her dad's maniacness. Be a good mama. (laughs) Yeah, don't be an alcoholic mother. Speaking of alcoholic mother, (laughs) don't abuse your kids while you drink alcohol. No, just don't neglect them. Love your children. They just want love. Don't (laughs) yell at them all that much. You know, say you're proud of them 
Exactly. Tell them they're awesome. Whatever they like choose them. to do. Yeah. Like your Support children. your children. Yeah. His mother had a hard time accepting her son was the one who committed all these crimes. And she was also quoted. She said, I cannot believe he walked alone to the forest in a police uniform. Where was all the blood? His clothes should have been covered in blood. Or if he tried to wash the blood away, the clothes would have been wet. His wife would definitely have noticed all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. You think she said he loves his family, cherishes his daughter, and he dreamed about grandchildren. He would not have done this. He will remain my son until death. He studied well and from the beginning was an excellent pupil. He loved to cook. This is my favorite quote. <laughs> pancakes or something like that. <laughs> and he was very neat. Pancakes or something like that. You know, you know, something. Pancakes. <laughs> I'm Crakes. sure this is translate. It, I'm sure that's not. I know that's said. what it's so sucks. Funny. It's like it just makes <laughs> it just so makes funny. it funny for us. He likes to cook some things. I'm pretty sure it's pancakes, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> something flat. <laughs> that's that's definitely something to mention right now when I'm I mean, saying he's not a serial killer. I say, <laughs> if you cook pancakes, you can't kill people. I, I mean, so. it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> and he was very neat, so he can't be a killer. I bet you he had if his wife did not know. Which I doubt. Yeah. He must have had somewhere he stopped to do things and like had an extra pair and like swapped them out or something, something. like that. Something. Yeah. Or he was like stealing his like coworkers. I'm assuming <laughs> it's not that hard to get one extra outfit. Are they that? Yeah. Maybe he had his killer outfit. <laughs> yeah. He and he did something with it every single okay. time. But then he's pulling up and he's like, get in the car with me. And there's like blood. No, all I mean, it. he has a way to wash it. I'm imagining <laughs> he has like some kind of layer that he used to have all his shit. Maybe he put saran wrap around it. He maybe he did the Dexter thing. I'm trying he... to give you a, a good logical answer. Kendra. There's not one. <laughs> I know. I don't know how his mom does bring up a good point. Like why didn't, <laughs> why didn't you know? Like it's blood. So she's like, it can't be my boy. Maybe he created a habit that the moment he came home, he took off his clothes and like the room and immediately put them in a the wash. Maybe his wife just didn't care that he was gone all the time because she was busy fucking her coworker. That's enough. That's that could also be it. <laughs> She's like, whatever, dude. At least he's washing his clothes. <laughs> Go kill and rape other women. Just leave me alone. <laughs> I'll give you an alibi. Just leave me alone. Sometimes we're going to go to hell for the things that we say. Oh, we're going to hell for sure. I'm hot. It's very hot in this. Um, just so everybody knows, we have we're moved sweating. our studio room, like we said, and now it's on the second floor currently. And it's summertime. And it's I'm boiling. That's why I wore less clothes today. Yeah, but I am the vampire who has to also be out in the sun and I have to cover <laughs> parts of my body at different times. Otherwise, I will just disappear. <laughs> <laughs> Life sucks <laughs> when it comes to this shit. Mikhail has had a little bit of a change since sitting in solitary confinement forever. He said, I neglected my illness. I tried to cure it by myself, but I was afraid to go to the hospital. I felt the consequences. I became impotent. So he thinks that was his, I guess, punishment. He's like, after I became impotent, I lost the desire to rape and murder. He kind of says this like he feels sad <laughs> that he lost the desire. My little man doesn't work anymore. <laughs> he admits that he killed women, including wives and mothers who had gone out drinking and that he saw as inappropriate behavior. But he now says, I had no right to evaluate people and their behavior. It only took you how many to maybe say that? This was in 2019 and he started in 1992. So it's just because he's caught. 30 something. Yeah. Yeah. He would still be killing. So the latest thing that I found on Mikhail Popkov is in January of 2023, 
he volunteered to fight for Vladimir Putin in Ukraine in exchange for the possibility of a pardon. So in Russia, a pardon, isn't that to like get out? Yeah. So in Russia, (gasps) there is a, they call it the prison recruitment and they will let criminals, no matter how bad they are, join the war. And if they can live, if they can stay alive for six months, then they will be completely pardoned. Oh my God. That's as of today. He has not, so he has not been accepted, but it's a possibility he could be. Everything I read, though, is that they kind of put these guys to the front of the line and make them cannon fodder. So so that's their version of the death penalty. I think so. Okay. so I don't think most of them live. They probably make sure they put them on the platoon that's going to their death. And I could see why maybe. Then what's the purpose? It's not like they're going to (laughs) fight. I don't know. They just need bodies. I mean, what the hell? I don't know. They're just the cushion before the impact. I guess. I'm like, oh, throw them out there. Why not? (laughs) Okay. So he's trying to get out, obviously, and it makes sense, once again, why these criminals that are stuck in the Black Dolphin will want to get out and potentially get killed. So that is my story for today. Wow. It's a lot. That is a lot. We had to go to Russia. We got an even more fucked up story than the I-5 killer, because that's apparently what I I do, is is I find the most fucked up serial killers possible (laughs) to tell you guys about. I mean, there's so many to choose from. Unfortunately. I mean, it goes on and on forever. (laughs) <laughs> That's interesting that I didn't know about Russia and what they do with the pardon. Yeah. Hmm. So that is the werewolf of Siberia. He's going to bite you. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> or he's going to use a screwdriver or shovel or a any well, literally knife. anything or a cord to strangle you. Like you just don't know. He's a grab bag. A grab maniac bag. <laughs> grabs out of the bag. Pretty much. Does that make him Santa? <laughs> <laughs> We can give him a new name. He needs a fifth name. Okay. I am quite literally melting. Yeah. I, I don't feel well at the moment. Now. It's a crazy story. Yeah. And it, it reminds me, you've said some other things and I'm like, now I need to go back and check on that because I feel like I've heard certain things before. Yeah. But it leaves me really fucking pissed off at men. What? What the fuck? I don't like being so mad at men, but it's like some How of, dare he judge women that way? That's the thing is it's always this judgment on a woman and it's not even them doing anything. No, these women were just, just having a good time. It's like, just an assumption. Life. Oh, you're by yourself. You're a whore. You got in the car with me. You must want to fuck me. <laughs> like, oh so therefore I must kill you and teach you a lesson. How are you teaching a lesson if you kill them? And also, then you rape them. Okay. It just really angers me that this Svetlana was completely dismissed. Yeah. And he was allowed to keep running. It also bothers me that his wife covered for him. Because she's like, I'm also doing bad things. So I guess. Or she just didn't want to be associated with a maniac being married to it because I'm sure that would be shameful for her. And I don't know, like maybe she rationalized it that he was only killing sex workers. So it didn't really matter. I don't know what happened there. We always try to do this. We try to understand, but we can't understand because there is no rationale or morals behind what these people do. No, I'm glad he's in the Black Dolphin. I hope that he does not get let out to help with the war in Ukraine. I hope he stays in the Black Dolphin and is miserable for the rest of his days because that's what he deserves. And stop taking him out to show you where things are. Just let him do a really good map. And let's not interview him anymore. He's had everything he needs to. Unless he actually is giving where other people are. Yeah, because that would help other families. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Let's wrap this up so we can go cool off. (laughs) Yes, I (laughs) Thank you all. Uh, I will be putting some pictures and everything from this case online. So definitely take a look at TikTok or Instagram. We're also on Facebook and YouTube. Yep. Thank you. 
Send us your lab reports, your listener stories to lucidlabpodcast at gmail.com. You can also mail us at P.O. Box 251, Eastlake, Colorado, 80614. I knew it. I was. <laughs> I pointed at her to the I was going to say it. Say it. it. I know it. it. I know it. <laughs> also, please follow us on your favorite platform for a podcast. Subscribe. Send us some ratings. We'd love to see some more comments. Uh, yes. Share us with your friends. And we also have a Patreon that we'll be working on. I know we've been saying that for like 10 episodes now, but, but we are going to do something there. It's like the last thing sometimes. So, you know, you know, when you're like so hectically busy and if there's not something there yet, like people aren't even looking. So, you yeah, know, we, you get analytics when people look sometimes. So you're like, OK, that's fine. That's the least of the things that I need to be concerned about right now. It's just a wise decision. Are we going to bring you an episode or are we going to work <laughs> on the Patreon page? But we do want to do that. And we have planned out entire days and night. Kendra's going to spend the night at my new place for a like a whole weekend. <laughs> yep. I haven't told her it. boyfriend yet, but that's what's happening. He'll be fine. <laughs> we're going to drink a lot of wine and we're going to plan this out and make it really fun. Look forward to that. I think that's all we got. So thank you guys. We love you. Keep listening. Yes. Thank you. And in the meantime, stay lucid. Sayonara. Bye-bye.